morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Monday. Andrew Cashflow, a.k.a. the Cashflow King, and the CEO of Collecti Lab, Selman G, is in the building. So I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how JP Morgan's CEO is calling crypto the Ponzi scheme of the century, while Bank of America is doubling down on crypto adoption, telling the world that this is a natural evolution of traditional finance. The Stellar Foundation was chosen by the CFTC to oversee blockchain development in the United States. We break down what this could mean for the SEC and United States crypto regulation. The Ripple CEO stated there's almost no chance that Ripple settles with the SEC, but new evidence reveals that there's a chance for a possible Ripple settlement. The ECB is telling the world that their central bank digital currency will never be programmable money, as Flare Network developers were caught dumping on the community, showing holders that David Schwartz was correct. And with, swear, and with swift payment transfers canceling out crypto transactions under $100,000, we expose the game for our listeners, preparing our community for a world post-digital transformation. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, we got a bunch of news prepared for today, specifically around the XRPL we always call you Ethereum experts. It's getting a little cliche because you know so much, but I feel my friend. Thank you for being here. I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Just happy to be here. It was a great weekend. Uh, but, you know, anytime on a Monday, I get really excited because, you know, I miss you guys, miss being on the show. So it's going to be a great show. But yeah, appreciate you all being here. Awesome, guys. I'm really excited for today. And Selman G, always happy to have you in the building, my friend. The market it's getting exciting. And some people at the gym yesterday were telling me, am I ready for all-time highs with Bitcoin? I think we're a long ways away from that. But before we dive into that, how are you feeling, Salman? Hey, man. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Uh, very excited for today's um, topics. And yeah, if I see if I see the markets, I'm like, oh, man, I should have bought more. <laughs> I should have bought in. Uh, I've been waiting, you know, but like, it, there are many conspiracies also, so curious if we're going to break 23K. We, we are at the falling trend right now. That is a big resistance. If we do, then, yeah, we could simply use that momentum to pump more. It's, uh, yeah, well, let's see for the FOMC meeting uh, in a week. Let's see. Andrew Cashflow, I'm excited for today's episode, and we're going to talk about how an artificial intelligence was able to pass the medical licensing exam. So a little bit of unrelated crypto news this morning, but we got 198 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Andrew Cashflow, first of all, how was your weekend? And thank you for being here. Yeah, actually, a very good weekend. Welcome, everybody. And always nice to see you, Apps, Gonzo, and Selman, and all the, all the, all the viewers. So it was a great weekend here in the Netherlands, a little bit cold. I, uh, I took some time to relax. I went to a uh, modern art museum. And uh, yeah, it's also, also so fine to do, just to do something else together with my with my girlfriend. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with, uh, with, with, with Selman that uh, we should have bought more. However, I also think we are not there yet. And uh, more, maybe more bad or positive news is coming. So uh, yeah, excited uh, what will happen in the future. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. 
The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is at a neutral 50 this morning, and we addressed it last week, so we're going to go right into the daily movers. Overall, it's a red day, Gonzo, but I do want to talk about something that everybody's been addressing this past week. Artificial intelligence and quantum computers are taking the forefront when it comes to the crypto conversations, so I'd love to hear your take on it. How do you feel about the artificial intelligence being able to pass the exam and some of the daily movers that we're witnessing today? Yeah, I mean, I think the story about it being able to pass the the exam is wild, but I'm not surprised, right? Because it's able to to pull in data from from basically the internet. But as far as like what we look at for like for AI and then like cryptocurrencies, um, I think there are some that are doing some interesting things. But um, it, it's just not for me right now. I got to wait for it to cool off, right? Because it's just absolutely ripping. Just like we talked about this before, where we had the gaming space after Meta like made their announcement, we had this huge pump, right? So I was dollar cost averaging into those kind of projects this last November and December. And, and that suited me well, right? Because uh, I remember there was a point when when everything was really bad, where my portfolio was down like 70%. And I was telling Andrew this morning that I'm in single digits for the first time. I think I'm only down seven or 8%. So, you know, I continue to kind of dollar cost average and, and to buy into things. But um, yeah, definitely. I, I think going into the next bull run, it, it has some potential, but there are going to be other narratives too, right? I think there's going to be a layer two narrative with different layer two solutions that scale Ethereum. Some of them aren't even out yet, right? Arbitrum doesn't have a coin yet, StarkNet, um, and some of the other ones. Um, you're going to have a decentralized kind of narrative when it comes to these DEXs. That's why we like um, DXDY. Do not dollar cost, or at least for me, not financial advice. I'm waiting because they have a huge token unlock that's coming. And so I'm waiting on DYDX. Uh, and then again, you know, you have your whole like kind of gaming narrative. So there are a lot of different narratives. You just got to make sure that you're you're timing it uh, right. Um, and you're not like chasing these 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 green candles. And there was a pretty cool project I was researching this weekend. It's called Fetch.ai. Anybody who's out there, I didn't do any investment. I didn't do anything besides research, but it was a pretty cool project and it caught my attention. We're going to dive into the total coin market cap this morning. We are sitting back over a trillion dollars at 1.04 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got the Bitcoin price climbing this week up over 9% on the seven day, sitting at 22,800. Ethereum is 1,600. XRP is 42 cents. Cardano is 37 cents. And we're going to scroll down to one of our favorites, Quant Network, sitting at $142. Selman G, we got a bunch of articles prepared for today, but I'd like to get your take. How are you operating during the bear market? And now that we're getting some bullish momentum, how have you been reacting? Now, when I see the long short ratio uh, being still below one, um, that tells me a lot of people, you know, opening short positions. And that that's the reason why Bitcoin uh, might see more pumps because people are convinced that, you know, we are at resistance zones and uh, it, we should short it. And then market makers love to liquidate those people. And this is why I believe, you know, yeah, we are at resistance, but we could simply break above. Um, and with many altcoins, you should go for the ones that, you know, attract the money with great trends, with great um, maybe like news updates, right? That is that is a key. But right now, just because you see everything's going up and especially Bitcoin with a massive monthly candle that has pretty much gained back what what it's uh, what it has lost in the last two months. Right now, I wouldn't be immediately going in. Let's wait for a confirmation. The reason is uh, if, if it's a bull trap, it's going to be the biggest bull trap ever. But I, I kind of want to doubt that, that it's a bull trap now at this moment. But um, the problem is FOMO effect will kick in and people, you, 
you don't want to become an excellent liquidity for people. So please watch out. Yeah. And if you look at like the, uh, the total market cap and you exclude Bitcoin and Ethereum, so that's just all the altcoins, you'll see on that chart that we're right at the 200 day moving average. And so we, so for those of you that feel that we've kind of missed out, it's individual projects that have popped off, but we really haven't gotten a uh, kind of semi alt season where they all move. So we're kind of at that resistance and we have to see how it plays out. But um, what, what I could see is we could see the alts move even more once Bitcoin decides to roll over and Bitcoin dominance to drop. Because right now it seems like it's the Bitcoin show, right? It's going to continue to move up, right? We're, like someone was saying, we're at that 23,000 level where we have major resistance. But if we break that and we hold that, we're going to 25. And after 25, there's really nothing uh, for as far as resistance and on the VRVP which is an indicator where there's a huge gap from 25 to 30, there's a huge gap. So once we get above 25, um, I could see us definitely going to 30. And Gonzo, I do not believe it's a coincidence that we came right back down to those 2017 all-time highs, dipped slightly below with the FTX collapse, and now we're rebounding, getting some bullish momentum in the market. Andrew, I'd love to get some thoughts from you before we dive into our articles. We're going to talk about Bank of America and the XRP connections that we found this weekend. But before we do that, we had a very bullish indicator in the market. As Jim Cramer was telling everybody in crypto, it's time to get out. We're going to let this short clip play and go to Andrew. Here we go. Bitcoin, whether it be Ethereum, whether it be Solana, anything crypto, I think. It's unbelievable, Andrew, and I'd just like to point out that this was actually before we got the bullish momentum this past week. So this clip is about five days old, right when the market was at its bottom. Jim Cramer told everybody, sell, and we pumped. Classic example here. What do you think of this news? Yeah, this is the this is the classic uh, the classic behavior of of either he doesn't understand anything about it, or it's it's manipulation of the market so that uh, that whales can can buy more uh, uh, if they want. So that that's why I always say to people: shut off your ears, close your eyes, and just do your thing. Yeah, have your strategy ready and know when you want to buy and know when you want to sell. And don't get don't get influenced by yeah by these these kind of guys because they are just and I'm also vulnerable for this. If I listen too much to all this kind of news, I also get in doubt. And then I say, hey Andrew, come on, you have your you have your strategy. You know exactly what to do. Why do you let yourself be influenced by these kind of guys? So <clears throat> yeah, I would say to everybody, there there are only three things that is important when you are investing. It's all that. It's buying, it is selling, or do nothing. And of course, it's not that simple, but only that you need to take into account. And what I teach in the academy is before you go in, you already know where to go out. And if you want to learn that, come join, join the club. But I mean, that, that gives so much comfort feeling that, you know, I just had before the, the show, I had a conversation with Gonzo. They said, yeah, sometimes I feel a little bit uh, yeah, confused when it goes up like that. And I say, okay, you know, then your strategy is not clear enough and you have not indoctrinated yourself enough with your own strategy. And that's also what I need to practice, but I want to give it to all the, 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 the viewers here in the, in, in the show. You have a strategy and, and follow your strategy. Do it over and over again 
and it won't make make you rich quick, but it makes you rich for sure. Thank you, Andrew. And I don't think it's a coincidence that right as Bitcoin was turning bullish on the RSI, Jim Cramer went on air and told every retail investor in the country, it's time to get out of these projects. Gonzo, before we dive into our Bank of America news for today, we are showing our listeners an inverse version of the Bitcoin price chart. So if you're looking at this thing saying it's going down, that means we are going up. I'd like to get some of your thoughts, Gonzo, and then we'll dive into the news. Yeah, because we all have different tendencies like you know, bearish tendencies or uh, bullish tendencies, it's good. And I and I learned this. I, I first saw Selman do it, so I picked it up from Selman, and then I saw Crypto Lifer do it. But all you have to do is invert the chart, and then it'll show you. Like because sometimes it's easier for you to see price action moving up, and so then when you invert it, that really means it's going down. So it's actually a, a good technique to do, depending on what your your tendencies are. But um, I showed you guys the tweet, but I didn't do it. Back to the Jim Cramer story. I almost tweeted thanking him uh, for being so accurate and calling the bottom, right? And then I, I and I didn't end up sending the tweet, but what we need to pay attention to is when he switches and he tells everybody to go ahead and FOMO in because we all know what that's going to mean, right? It means it's probably time for us to sell. So uh, I'll be paying attention to him because when he tells his viewers that it's time to buy, that's going to be the time for us to probably exit. Selman, any quick thoughts on Jim Cramer telling us it's time to get out of the market? I love the caption of the tweet that we're showing. It says, if this doesn't kickstart the bet, the next bull run, I don't know what will. But Selman G, what are you thinking? Um, to be honest, I, I would like to share something with you guys. Um, a, a chart, which like literally on the market update call today, we haven't seen it. But we said, hey, it is possible. Watch out, guys. And seriously, this is S&P, right? And this is the year-long falling trend and guess what happens we are this is the second attempt now trying to break above and of course if this time we're successful and it's not you know selling like we we don't lose it um immediately the same day uh then obviously this is going to be successful pump we could easily approach the 4100 level and bitcoin is going to benefit all coins will benefit from it so we know that dow jones broke above its falling trend months ago but at the, the technology companies, et cetera, it's their turn. S&P is the big brother of Bitcoin. If this one is bullish, great news for um, for altcoins and Bitcoin. And uh, this time, I believe it is. I, I sold some altcoins right here with the closing. I, I thought, okay, it's going to go down. But I completely forgot about this trend line here. Anyways, that's that was uh, like noobish. But... Um, now that this is breaking and if we see that closing coming, if we see two consecutive days above the, the chances are, you know, getting higher and higher, and then we could see some major pumps for Bitcoin, but I'm not saying that we're back in a bull market or something, but at least recovery is coming. However, uh, uh, Selman, it is also logical because if you look at the DXY, the value of the dollar compared to others, uh, other assets, the dollar is going down all the time since uh, now since uh, since September, so that means that money wants to to flow somewhere else, and that's also a reason why the stock market is going up. But also, to my opinion, why the crypto market also goes up because that money needs to go somewhere. Absolutely agree. Yeah, 100%, guys, and I think that's a good segment into our next topic as the digital transformation of the century is already underway, and we're going to draw some connections here between Brad Garlinghouse 
and one of the largest banking institutions on the planet, Bank of America. We got 262 live listeners joining us on this Monday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. It's like it's what we call Merlin Monday, my friends. So we're going to dive into our XRP content. Here we go. About that is the SEC sued us uh, around the question of is XRP a security at the end of 2020? And I'll admit, the, the beginning of 2021 was a, a stressful, Q1 was a stressful quarter for sure, because you now have a lawsuit uh, in the largest economy in the world, and you didn't know how your existing customers would react, let alone new customers. And what we have seen since then, it, it particularly non-U.S., you know, well over 95% of the customers we've signed in the last two years are non-U.S. Uh, our activity is growing more and more outside the United States. It's because you have this confusion in the United States. So... So let's just pause it there and have a brief discussion. 95% of the clients that Ripple has signed so far are outside of the United States. What does that tell me? 5% are inside the United States. And we may have an indicator of who exactly they're working with within our borders. Bank of America says the digital currencies appear inevitable in a new article published by their team stating that Bank of America's global research team published a report on cryptocurrencies, digital assets, and central bank digital currencies earlier this week. The main takeaway from this uh, new study is that digital currencies appear inevitable. We view distributed ledgers and digital currencies as central bank digital currencies and stable coins as a natural evolution of today's monetary system and payment systems. Our view is that CBDCs that leverage distributed ledger technology, such as the XRPL, for example, have the potential to revolutionize the global financial systems. And this may be the most significant technological advancement in the history of money. So before we dive into the details about the specific banks working on central bank digital currencies, I'd love to start with you, Selman. How do you feel about the indirect connections here? Bank of America is praising distributed ledger technology while also stating they're waiting for the SEC lawsuit before they can begin using XRP. Now, Ripple has these great partnerships maybe outside the U.S., which is great. And it should be the danger, right? Uh, like, uh, it, it, it should be a dangerous signal for um, the lawmakers in the U.S. that, you know, um, there is a big potential that and that the U.S. is just giving up. Right. Um, so in the financial sector, this is a huge deal. And now but, but keep in mind, the five percent you were talking about is still um, they're ruling the world because America is the greatest economy right now. Right. Uh, and so ripple being active like it would be more than enough if ripple just operated in the u.s and be be uh, would be super successful right it's more than enough and now bank of america of course now also being involved in that that's a huge deal and it just tells me that the sec lawsuit case has to you know bring more clarity after that if if we see that xrp is not a security that's going to change so much in the space and it's not going to be by the rumors sell the news uh, but like the infrastructure in general, that we're going to have a, a green pass uh, and a lot of things will change in the U.S. And I, I believe the shift that Ripple has been operating outside the U.S., that's going to change. And uh, Ripple is probably going to be also like for a certain period of time, super concentrated on getting uh, American businesses on board. And then, you know, you're going to see how like Ripple is going to become a powerhouse. John, so I don't think it's a coincidence that the Stellar Foundation was chosen by the CFTC to oversee blockchain development in the United States while their largest rival, Ripple, is being sued by the SEC right now. We got 283 live listeners joining us right now. Currently, there's 114 central banks exploring central bank digital currencies around the world. Now, that's only 53% of countries on the planet. 
but that represents over 95% of global GDP. So this is a change that's not only inevitable, it's already in the process of taking place, Gonzo. I'd like to get some of your thoughts. What do you think about Bank of America stating that after the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit, they are going to be using XRP for on-demand liquidity, as well as the fact that they're praising distributed ledger technology, stating it's the most significant advancement in the history of money? Yeah. So, you know, we're connecting the dots, right? When they make a statement like that, and they've already said, so it's not like it's rocket science. They've already said that they're waiting for the SEC lawsuit to uh, to adjudicate so that they could go uh, full bore into it, right? Because they want to be the first ones because all these uh, banks are, are kind of vying for our business. They're all vying for the same liquidity, right? And so um, I think it's huge. You know, Ripple was really smart about the way they did things. They acted as if they lost the lawsuit and they continued to build outside of the U.S. And as they help these other smaller countries or small, uh, smaller uh, entities build their CBDCs, it's all testing ground, right? We all know it's all testing ground for them to come back to the U.S. and then show that it works. So when you hear about like some of these smaller countries, like the country of, I think was it Palau? whether we're doing CBDCs, right? You're going to see this more and more. And it, all it is, is just kind of like a test net for that, for when they come back to the US. And all we're waiting for is the resolution of the of the lawsuit. Andrew Cashflow, something I'd like to address in this article is that they're praising the private sector for the development of central bank digital currencies. They said central banks and governments can't build new financial systems based on distributed ledger technology alone, and have indicated that they expect to leverage the private sector to drive the digital information or innovation taking place today. Now, obviously, Ripple is in the development in the private sector. So another Ripple connection here. What sticks out to you in this article? How do you feel about Bank of America promoting cryptocurrencies and CBDCs? Yeah, what, 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 what I already heard in this show earlier, it is, it is inevitable I mean, it is it is it's weird that that actually in this digital age where we already living in that we still do not have digital money. And, you know, digital money, either it is crypto decentralized or CDBC centralized. It is not a bad thing. I mean, technology is neutral. It is the way how banks will use it in the future. And will they label the money and will they use it for uh, uh, or, or for for for, the ba for basic income? You know, and will they label it and do they put an expiry date on your money and that kind of stuff? I mean, that can be the bad things. And I know here in the Netherlands, we have big major discussions. At least we try to have major discussions about what is happening with the central bank digital currency. And, uh, and will it also replace cash money? Because cash money is by, by its nature, it, it has an anonymous character. But central bank digital currency yeah, is is not uh, 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 yeah, is not private. So it, it's all what, what what they are going to do with it. And you know, and I know that as soon as a possibility is there to do bad things with money, take it from me, it will happen. So what? How should we react on this development? Because we see it happening before our eyes. Invest in stuff that the government cannot print, which is real estate, gold, silver, Bitcoin. And, and yeah, do not have too much money in, in the old system because it will be maybe in, in one weekend, it will be switched over from the old uh, uh, digital money into central bank digital currencies, and then you're done. And, and I think that's what I expect uh, within, within three to five years will, will happen. 
Gonzo, another connection we have within this article is the use cases that Bank of America is stating cryptocurrencies can solve. They said the number one use case that cryptocurrencies may solve is it may increase efficiencies for cross-border payments as well as domestic payments and transfers. If that's not an indication towards Ripple and what they've been building over the last half century, I don't know what is, but I'd like to get some of your takes here. 95% of global GDP could have a central bank digital currency. We see it in China. When do you believe we'll see it in the United States? You know, that, that remains to be seen. You know, I'm still looking at, you know, we still have to get resolution with, with the lawsuit, but um, it always feels like with these technologies, it, it, it feels like they we think they're coming faster than they really are. Um, so I, I still think that we're a little bit away, but I think it'll start to move faster, you know, as we get resolution with the lawsuit, right? I, I think that's the big thing because uh, then it gives them more clarity uh, on what they can do. But like we've said, regardless of what happens with the SEC lawsuit, they're going to continue to build outside of the U.S., right? Um, I, I thought what was really interesting is, I don't know if it was this article, Abs, or the other one, where it talked about where the banks were talking about um, like the bad parts of CBDCs where, um, you know, it could cause a type of kind of a bank run on them, right? You know what, and I think Gonzo, I'm going to read the details and kick it right back to you here because you're bringing yeah. up something so important. They actually discussed how, okay, so there's two articles I want to address here. The first is that the digital euro, the European Central Bank came out and said the digital euro will never be programmable money. Well, we've got conflicting narratives in the Bank of America report as they state, if this money is not programmable, if the CBDC is not programmable, the CBDC issuance and adoption could increase the frequency of bank runs if not properly designed. So basically what they're saying they're not going to let you spend your CBDC wherever you want. They're going to set limits on when and where it can be spent, Gonzo. I think that's the answer to your question. Yeah, so exactly. So if they don't set those limits, then, and you can just do whatever you want, then, I mean, it, just imagine, like, for a bank run now, you actually have to go into the bank or you have to go into, like, you have to use an ATM. So what they're saying is, if there's not these stop gaps and you could just instantly 24 seven, then it could create a huge bank run, right? And cripple these guys. So that's how we know that when they roll these things out, they're going to be the limit. So it's not like conspiracy, what we talk about when they talk about when you can spend it, where you can spend it, these things have to be built in and they're telling you right there or else there could be a bank run, you know, pretty much any time. Salman, and here's the definitive answer to Gonzo's question. It says central banks could mitigate the risk of bank runs by introducing central bank digital currencies holding limits, either on a temporary or permanent basis. That means that they could shut down your money if they decide that's what's best for the economy. Selman, I know that in Germany just last week, they banned transactions of over $10,000 done in cash. Do you think there's a connection to the central bank digital currency and the annexing of cash? Now, we always said that 2023 will be the year of regulation and crypto, et cetera. But I kind of feel like um, the way, and especially, you know, I shared this tweet with you all uh, where John Deaton talks about how he believes um, regulation in the U.S. might, you know, be pushed back to 2025. And so slowly I start thinking, OK, maybe like digital currency adoption is or, or CBDCs in general uh, that's going to take some time and um, you know, but, but they're actively working on, on introducing it right by banning uh, transactions um, over $10,000. You can't do it in cash anymore and many other things. And um, if you have $10,000 uh, by the way, apps, 10,000 euros and you go to your bank and you want to like deposit the money, they want to know the source of income. Otherwise they don't take it. 
they don't allow you to deposit. Uh, plus, um, they will report it. They will let the IRS know, right? Uh, and the central bank know that you have 10,000 euros and you don't know. I wish Johnny was here with the rat snake weasel index. Yeah, but but I can understand a little bit. Maybe, you know, like it's about anti-money laundering and, and you know, the anti-terror uh, financing, et cetera, acts. I understand that. But then I also ask myself how, like, what percentage, the statistically, what percentage of the whole population of the country is actually um, like doing terroristic activities or something, right? So it's because of a small group, the whole like uh, population has to, you know, pay for it. So I know that there is also control involved. And so now if they tell you that it's not going to be programmable, I want to trust them. But then when I see what happened the last two or three years, and then uh, even before, I can't trust my government anymore. So if they say it's going to be uh, not, it's not going to be programmable, it's kind of like a Jim Cramer indicator that it is going to be programmable, right? So this is why I'm scared. And <laughs> you want to click on that button. Anyways, yeah. So this is why I like, I want to say CBDC, we see um, the US is probably going to adopt it a little later. The reason is all like the pilot projects, Turkey, China, all of them are pilot projects for the, the best, uh, Western uh, countries. And once we see, okay, people, uh, once they, they experiment and they know how to make sure people, like how they, like they want to create incentives and want to make sure that people really adopt it. They don't fear it, et cetera. If once they know the formula, then they will go to the greatest economy in the world right now, which is the US and then implement it. So I, I feel like they're observing and like uh, testing it uh, actively testing outside the country, and then slowly it's going to be uh, available in the U.S. Andrew Castle, I saw you shaking your head there. I'd love to give you a chance to respond. Could it be the comment in this live chat that says you only need cash for gambling and and drugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's so weird, you know. We must be protected against and against crypto and that kind of stuff, and the amount of gambling. Uh, uh, commercials I see on television and, and uh, along the highways and it's incredible everybody is allowed to do to gamble ten thousand uh, dollar or or all is all money uh, but but we cannot uh, send more than ten thousand dollar from one place to the other or to buy cryptocurrencies even in, in the Netherlands we are not allowed from a business account to buy cryptocurrencies so from my business account I have to move it to my private account then I can move it to Coinbase, and that's my on and off ramp to buy my cryptocurrencies. So, and of course, there is always a, a, a U-turn or a way a way around regulation. But yeah, you know, it's it's to me to me it is the last or some of the uh, consultations, you know, uncontrolled shaking of the body um, about banks. They they have to admit, and the, I think they want to keep the current situation. Also, governments as long as possible in control and if they can't control it anymore now then slowly they need to to join this new movement because else yeah uh, the, the, anything else there is there is no option anything else so you know i would say also to uh, to our viewers just be patient you know be relaxed and have your plan ready and uh, and, and, and and don't worry too much look forward and imagine yourself in a bright future and, uh, and shut off the news. 
Gonzo, I'd love to get some quick comments from you. For anybody who's joining us live, we're talking about how Bank of America says that digital currencies are inevitable, and they're actually praising distributed ledger technology, slightly hinting at the fact that they could be leveraging a product like XRP in the very near future. We got 316 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We've got a bunch of great news prepared for today. But Gonzo, I'd love for you to close us out on this topic. What do you think about the digital transformation taking place today? We've got central bank digital currencies. They're inevitable. 95% of global GDP is currently working on a cash bank solution. What do you believe to be the case? And why don't you just close us out on this Bank of America segment? Yeah, I think you're right, Abs. It's absolutely inevitable. So the question is, you know, what can you do about it? And I think, you know, for our community, we're trying to do the best that we can to kind of invest in these rails, whether it's XRP, XLM, XCC, HBAR, any of the other ISO tokens. And, you know, we're just trying to create some wealth so that we can now live our lives to where, you know, you're treated the best or you can go wherever you want to go and kind of live how you want to live. But understand this, that we are not promoting CBDCs. We think they're a bad thing, but unfortunately they're inevitable. It's the evolution of where we're going. The only difference is, is are you going to position yourself in a, in a good place uh, the, uh, above like what the rest of the people are going to do? A thousand percent gone. So and anybody who's an advocate of central bank digital currencies, well, they just haven't done their research, but we're going to dive into a great article we've got for today. As the Stellar Foundation, also known as XLM, becomes an advisor for the CFTC, the Commodities Futures and Trading Committee. So this is pretty exciting because this is a quite interesting given that they're the only blockchain project that's going to be working to oversee blockchain development in the United States. Now, I'd like to have a broader discussion here because obviously the SEC is currently suing Ripple for being an unregistered security, while the CFTC is working with a company that's basically doing the exact same thing. And they're stating that they should be the ones to oversee blockchain development in the United States. Gonzo, before we dive into the details, I'd love to give you the open floor. What do you think about the stellar development and the fact that they are going to be in charge of seeing blockchain development in the USA? I mean, we've seen these kind of committees before, so we see we're gonna have to see how it plays out. But it's definitely good for XLM, especially because you know I'm an XLM holder. I wish I had a bigger position. I guess I wish I was dollar cost averaging uh, uh, before, but um, you know, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But and hey, that's um, okay. Honestly, Gonzo, I, I double questioned you there, so it's no worries at all. Let's kick it to Selma G. Selman G, I got to hear from you. What do you think about Stellar working with the CFTC for to create blockchain development in the United States and oversee how that goes? While a company doing something very, very similar in Ripple XRP, they're being sued by the SEC for being an unregistered security. What does that mean to you about the regulation going on in the USA, Selman? So my conspiracy theory, my theory in general is that Stellar said to Ripple that, hey, I'm going to I'm going to save you. So what they do is they go backdoor to the CFTC, want to become their advisor, and then somehow, you know, <laughs> get, like finally uh, work on a settlement or something. So, yeah, I mean, it is uh, I'm just kidding. The the Stellar uh, Foundation working. We, we covered this one last time, like where Stellar being active in the scene um, and working with like with government officials directly, this is this is fantastic. This is not just, you know, stellar kind of thing. This also means that um, the whole crypto space is about to do something in the within the next years. So uh, we see evolution taking place, right? The the this is a journey, right? There is no comp there is no um, race or something. It's a journey and we see that every single day, step by step. Um, 
how things are changing in the space and being stellar being there active ripple being active active this is great news and that tells me okay okay um like america is i, I mean i'm speculating america is still going to lead the space um but it's going to take time sec needs to get you know their shit together as well and then slowly when things go right and regulation is there i believe america is not going to give up that power um they want to lead the space i don't know what government officials are doing behind this like back doors of course uh but um we see hope there we see hope so i'm optimistic Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts from you here because there's some yeah. massive connections within this committee. Check out the other members of this committee here. We've got JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and BlackRock who are going to be working with Stellar XLM on blockchain development. And I'd like to point out a rumor that was going around a couple of months ago. There was a rumor that JP Morgan was currently practicing the tokenization of real-world assets built on Stellar. Now we have another connection between JP Morgan and Stellar. It's some very optimistic news for this blockchain. What's it mean to you, Gonzo, that BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, and JP Morgan are all indirectly working with Stellar XLM? Um, it gives them a seat at the table. Johnny's talked about this before, about building relationships. That's why we get so excited about Ripple when you see the kind of people that they bring into their ecosystem, whether it's Rosie Rios or somebody that used to work for the Obama administration or a treasurer, whatever that is. Um, now you see Stellar doing it. And, it, and to me, it's a good thing being an, a, an investor in, in XLM because before that, um, I feel like they were very tied to uh, McCa uh, Jed McCaleb, right? And it was always like this negativity that was associated with. And so he, since he's taken like a back seat, um, it seems like they're starting to kind of make moves like Ripple has. Uh, and you, you can't, we don't know what those conversations are, but it, it has to be a good thing that they're in the same room and that they're building relationships um, because they're going to leverage those relationships at some point in the future. If you think about how we work as, as um, like, like if you look at the Academy, right. And you see all the different businesses that have come up because we're all friends or we all know each other. I think it's kind of a similar thing where XLM has got a seat at the table and they're going to start to leverage some of those relationships. Gonzo, I'm going to read a longer paragraph here, so just bear with me, but we got some really important news coming out of the CFTC with this Stellar connection. The Stellar Foundation that they're working with will be responsible for blockchain and digital assets in the relaunched body and will guide the CFTC on these issues. The Stellar officials, as well as officials of the Chamber of Digital Commerce, Uniswap Labs, and CoFund will also be on the side of this new digital economy. However, the blockchain's direction will be exclusively overseen by Stellar and XLM. Stellar itself is signaling hope for a fruitful work with representatives of traditional financial markets with working with JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and BlackRock also joining the Global Market Advisory Committee. As a decentralized cross-border money transfer operation in particular, Stellar wants to play particular attention to the issue of remittances and stable coins going forward. The fact that the CFTC is willing to select a crypto firm to become a member of its advisory committee is seen as a very positive sign for the crypto industry. And the relationship between Stellar and the CFTC is actually the exact opposite of the current situation taking place with Ripple and the SEC. So Selman G, I'm kicking it right back to you. We got 336 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I'd like to get the live chat incorporated here. What do you believe over the next five years is going to be a more successful blockchain? Please put one in the chat for XRP and put two in the chat for XLM. But Gonzo, I mean, sorry. Uh, Selman, I'm kicking it right back to you. How do you feel about JP Morgan Goldman Sachs working with Stellar itself? So um, it's 
they're the easiest um, answer. I mean, I, I was reading the chat as well, and I, um, of course, I, I saw that uh, that comment that BlackRock will work with any shady partner, et cetera, right? So um, it's always like we've seen BlackRock has invested in some uh, projects where you think, man, this is bullish, but then all of a sudden it's a rug pull or something happens, and then I'm like, hey, like of publicly they say they work together, but like what if these big institutions are investing in this just to destroy it publicly and then you know a stable coin for example and then um just to bring more legislation more more uh, because they are the advisors of the you know of the fed etc right of the president also so the blackrock is like powerful it kind of rules the economy and so um, when they work together and and they want to shape the future of crypto, etc., I would be yes on like cautious, but also a little bullish because now we know the door is open. Uh, more and more money will flow into the space, so that is a great great aspect of things. But again, right now, you know, it is like I it's foggy like i would wait i would wait and see the because we, uh, we've been super bullish last year when blackrock entered and then a massive rug pull happened uh so i'm like uh let, let's wait and see lots of uncertainty in your voice selman i haven't heard you that uncertain of an answer in quite a long time but i'm gonna kick you i'm gonna kick it right back to you and do you a favor swift will no longer process fiat cryptocurrency transactions from banks to cryptocurrency networks so you said you think a lot more money could be flowing into this there's a conflicting narrative going on here because SWIFT just annexed the crypto market from traditional payments. So anything with a value less than $100,000 will not be able to be transferred cross-border and onto a crypto exchange starting February 1st of 2023. Selman, I'm going to kick it right back to you. What do you think about these comments here? SWIFT system is indirectly blocking crypto payments when it comes to cross-border. Even though uh, like like a month or two months ago, we talked about how Swift is also entering the space, right? Uh, the crypto space, et cetera. You see, it's it's a challenging um, conflict here. It kind of looks like publicly, uh, we, we don't know, by the way, what banks are doing behind the, uh, like behind the scenes. Maybe they are, you know, buying in low and then creating all of this to sell and you and I become excellent liquidity for them. But if we believe that crypto is going to be the bank killer, why would I, you know, invest in in crypto, the decentralized platforms? On one end, I feel like, you know, they want to have more control there. So they, they um, get all the validated nodes, et cetera. But on the other hand, uh, what if they buy in and just to destroy it later, just to short it later, something like that. There is, of course, more than that. Um, but it's interesting to see that they, they um, look pro- pro uh, blockchain pro crypto but then they're also heavy on centralizing uh the money flow etc and they they banning certain certain types of transactions etc it's it's challenging um but uh i believe you know it, within the next years we're going to see more and more clarity on this uh and the real face uh, of of uh, the banks and especially swift because they they just entered the crypto space and now things like that happen so yeah, it's it's now you you've never heard me that doubtful before, probably. But yeah, I'm very confused. Let me give, let me give an other view on this situation. Um, I'm I'm some somewhat older than most of you, so I also remember the time that we went from in telecommunications that making international phone calls was extremely extremely uh, 
uh, expensive. It was, uh, for example, from Europe to America, calling was 10, 10, uh, 10 dollars per minute. And then we saw starting the voice over IP uh, stuff. Maybe maybe a little technical, but it was it was the possibility to transfer voice voice uh, over over internet. And uh, what you saw there, you, first you had that small business or a small calling card, and you get you got other stuff. And nowadays, what you see is I can make phone calls all over the world for for less less than a penny per minute. So. And this is what I also see. So what, what happened? We had, we had all the incumbent telecom operators and they were trying to protect their market because they were, they were earning millions of dollars with international phone traffic. What you now see is the incumbent banks, they are also making millions of dollars with yeah, uh, transferring money back and forth. And yeah. money and voice, it is, it, is, it is not so much different. So it... it so what I want to say is that um, 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 but, but I think what will happen is alternative money transfer companies will, will, will rise. For example, what we see, we see a lot of commercials about Remitly. And they will say, okay, we will send money to your, uh, to your loved ones and we will make sure it will arrive there in time. You know, and you see World Remit, you see OFX, World First, WISE currency solutions and they are all attacking the current banking system and so i think um, if swift is not uh, quickly cooperating in this space ways technology will find ways to go around swift and to move money in other ways over the world and and that that's my idea comparable with with with, with the voice we had uh, at, the, at the end of the 90s uh, compared to money so it, are they trying to block it at the moment yes of course can they hold it will they win it no they will not win it at all and and so that that's my uh, 10 cents on this uh, on this case thank you andrew cashflow and you know what's interesting this reminds me of an article from i believe it was last october or september and gonzo i'm going to kick it to you where swift was actually working with Chainlink on creating cross-border solutions. So I'm not sure if you remember that article, but it's not like Swift is averse to blockchain. They're going to end up using any blockchain. It could be Chainlink, it could be Stellar, it could be XRP. Who knows? That's up for debate. But we do know one thing. ISO compliance goes into full effect March 10th, 2025. So this banking shift is going to need to take place before them. And hopefully that's going to lead us into our next bull market. But Gonzo, I am getting word from my boss and CEO, Mr. Johnny Crypto, that we need to show our listeners the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency. So we're going to let that ad play and go back to Gonzo. Here we go. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. 
it's the smartest way to track your crypto. It is the smartest way to track your crypto, Gonzo. And we have to say bye to our good friend, Selman G. So I want to give a shout out to my man. Thank you for joining us today. Gonzo, I'd like to get some closing statements here. What do you think about the SWIFT news we have? We're getting a report that it's actually only one bank based out of New York. Maybe you can break down the details. Yeah, you know, I'm not totally versed in it, Abs, but I think more than SWIFT, I think it has to do more with, with the bank is what I'm guessing. And that just goes from like my experience when I had issues trying to trying to wire transfer money. And, and it doesn't change. You could still, like Binance did this whole, uh, they sent like an email or they did a post for their customers. You can still use your credit card. You can still use your debit card. You can still do ACH where you can transfer from your bank account into the exchange this is more to do with like wire transfer when it's coming in and then probably going out um and so like i said i'm not very versed but to me i'm not surprised because it seems like you know this is the competition for the banks so if you have a major bank like signature i think that's the name of the bank um it was just a matter of time before they start making moves to try to stop us from you know um, going to their competitor, you could say. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it has to do more with the bank than it does with Swift. But you are right because Swift just came out with an announcement to the, where they were working with with Chainlink. So um, you would think um, that they're, like you said, that they're not adverse to, to blockchain technology. Well, Gonzo, one of the things that sticks out to me in this article is that this goes into effect February 1st, 2023, which is just next week. And I'm wondering, could we get some bullish momentum in the market? I'm going to kick it back to you to close out this segment here. Could we get some bullish momentum in this market up until February 1st? And then we get that back test of the 19K before we continue bullish. I'd like to hear your thoughts. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we have some, like, there's things going on this week with the, uh, not the CPI, but the the other data that, uh, point that comes out. Um, we have the Fed meeting at the beginning of the month, um, so there are things that that can happen uh, depending on you know everyone thinks it's going to be twenty five basis points. So we'll see what happens with the Fed meeting. But you, you know you're right at some point, um, and and I would lean more towards as we get closer to that uh, full moon in February, which I think is February sixth where we could see uh, a correction or because we've basically, if you look at the chart, we've made that higher high. And in order to do a full trend reversal, now we need to make that higher low and everyone's waiting for that. So like it's at 19.5, but I think the higher that we go, the higher that that number goes, because what's going to happen is people are going to start front loading their buys and it kind of yep. just moves up and up and up. And so that's something just to pay attention to. Andrew Cashflow, we're going to go a little rapid fire round in the last 10 minutes of this episode, but we got some very interesting news and a possible glimpse into the future this weekend as an artificial intelligence search tool, ChatGPT, has passed the United States medical licensing exam. This is pretty interesting, and I think this, this new bot needs a social security number. Andrew, what do you think about this news? For the first time ever, artificial intelligence is replacing humans in the job market. And this is why we talk about CBDCs. This is why we talk about universal basic income, the technological revolution. It's not in finance. It's in every market that exists today. This is a prime example. I'd like to get some of your thoughts and then I'm going to follow it up with some news. You know, I, I, I always like to see things from the positive side and shit GBT. I can tell you, I use it all the time. And I use it for all kinds of things, for translations, for, for example, when I want to uh, make, make a summary of something, when I see a whole story, then I ask ChatGPT, create for me a summary of this, of this thing, uh, a definition. You know, if I go to Google, 
I get bombarded with advertisements. So actually, I'm a, I'm an advocate of it. However, yeah, there, there, of course, there is there is another side to uh, to this uh, artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence knows exactly what to say to a human being in order for the human being to feel comfortable. So this is an absolute, an absolute, uh, very, very good yeah, moment to also to inject fake news into people or fake narratives or the narrative that the government want to have in the people and they can yeah they can also measure it very quickly so yeah on one hand i think it's it's a risk on the other hand <clears throat> that that's what what well yeah we have seen more uh, innovations in the past i think uh, artificial intelligence yeah will also bring blessings to people and uh and and we will especially for older people uh for 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 for, for knowledge transfer so uh for new jobs i mean old jobs will be of course uh, uh taxi drivers uh, um, uh, uh, truck drivers uh all kind of stuff will be obsolete in future but new jobs will come in that space so you know and who will win which people will win the people who have the ability to uh, to adjust themselves to change the fastest if you say i do not want to change you will be uh you, know, you will be uh overrun by a, uh, by a truck or whatever and uh and, and and you will stay behind but if you say i'm open to change and i'm willing to take the the, the advantages with with ai you know i think it's uh we we can we you can even make make a lot of money with it at the moment i'm currently i'm writing an ebook and i'm writing it with chat gbt do you do you believe that i'm yeah, just wow. asking give give me an outline for for topic xyz and then i say okay give me a, a text for 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 this specific uh, chapter or everything is possible and and yeah for me it's it's convenient to do it Andrew, you always talk about students and creating students and creating a meta university. Well, this is going to become a big, I don't want to say problem, but it's definitely an issue that schools are going to have to deal with. I have a brother in college and I was showing him if he wants to cheat on his exams, this is a great solution. And I'm obviously kidding. That is sarcasm for our listeners out there. No, but I, I, I do not agree with you. I think schools should ad adopt. I mean, when calculators came in, we, we were not, yeah, we were not willing to, to, cal to do calculations by head. When the spell checker came in, I know that people or in the schools, you have to switch off the spell checker because, yeah, that was cheating. Now, nobody thinks about it anymore to switch off a spell checker. So I think we have to go to the next level of education that you have to use AI to make something very good. And also, that means also a change in, in the mindset of, of the schools and that kind of thing. So you have to do things without AI. But I also would recommend all the schools, universities create topics where you have to use AI because it's inevitable for the future. Andrew, you brought up a great, you brought up a great analogy, which is it, it was like when we were in school and they said, you have to learn this. You'll never have a calculator in your pocket. I think that AI is going to become incorporated in that same sense. Everybody's going to have AI incorporated on their cell phones. 
And I think you're right. If it's what it's what schools were built to do, they're supposed to educate people, but instead they're creating modern day slaves. We got 299 live listeners joining us. Show us some love and smash that like button. Gonzo, we're closing this episode out today with a little bit of interesting news around the Flare Network. This is something that everybody should be aware of. So here's a list list of the Flare Oracle series providers who transferred their Flare airdrop onto BitTrue and sold before it came available to the general public. So this user out here called out up to seven or eight Oracle providers in the Flare network for dumping the token on the community. Well, one of these providers actually took the time to respond and stated that in interest of full disclosure and honesty, Light FTSO received 280,000 Flare on January 8th. They took 110,000 of those Flare tokens, minted them onto the Futures Network on BitTrue, and dumped onto the open market at 25 cents. This is the first of over half a dozen companies that probably did the same thing, Gonzo. We got about two minutes left. Open floor. What do you think about Flare Networks dumping on the community? Um, I'm not surprised, right? Like this is what happens. It's not unique to Flare too. It happens with all the different projects. When they first roll out, those people that got in, uh, like kind of pre-ICO or got in at the beginning, they always dump their tokens. And that's why we tell people if it's a new project and I wasn't part of the airdrop because it's no different than like what some of the normal people were doing, right? As soon as they got it, they were dumping it. But that's why I tell people you should wait and let it settle, right? I wasn't part of the airdrop. I've been waiting to get into Flare just because I believe in the technology, right? And what it's doing with smart contracts and bringing it to other blockchains that doesn't have smart contracts. But I'm just waiting for that floor to play out, right? Um, I got in a buy at that initial crash that was at two cents. And now we've been kind of hovering at four and I've just been patient, right? I'll probably- Gons, I'm going to kick it right back to you, but I wanted to throw this detail in here as well. It says that they were dumping on the market at 25 cents, but don't worry, that wasn't the top of the market. What's so funny right now is that the Flare token is actually trading, I believe, at three cents. So they're stating, no, don't worry, guys. We didn't catch the top, but you still caught an over five to almost eight X multiple of what the market's trading for today. Wanted to throw that detail in there, Gonzo. Yeah, I mean, and, the, and they justify it, right? They justify it and they say that they wouldn't be able to function as a company because uh, they didn't have any money. And so better that they dump the tokens and have enough runway to last them a year or two. Um, and, and, and I mean, what do you expect? That, that, that's what, you know, in the economic times that we are today, you're going to see this, right? You're going to see these come. And this is the company that we know about, right? Think about the other companies, right? When it comes to unlock, that's why we get so worried about unlocks because in these times when there's not a lot of liquidity, there's not a lot of money, these guys are going to sell their assets so that they can make money so they can create that runway. Thank you, Gonzo. Sorry, guys. I got stuck on the mute button there. We got 291 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Andrew Cashel. And thank you to Selman G, the CEO of Collecti Labs. We got 285 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.